0: Today's scripture passage comes from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 18. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances, and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have provided, proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you.
1: Good morning. Uh, We've had another week. I'm not saying it's a good week or a bad week, just had another week. Um, and uh, this week, I know for myself, it's uh, much uh, uh, lighter to be in here with you in the sense of uh, heavy responsibility. Last week and next week both, uh, when when you preach three times in the morning, you get a little, you kind of run down. You don't get the worst. The worst it comes at the 1115 service, you know, so... You're getting the, the middle level of energy. But today, I'm only preaching once, so it's very nice, very relaxing, very exciting, because we are getting to look at uh, some Scripture together and an opportunity to kind of reflect on some things. Um, as the, Today, we're taking the opportunity to complete the book of uh, Colossians as we look at chapter 4. Um, chapter 4 of Colossians is uh, sort of a wrap-up kind of a chapter for Paul. And as we know, we've been looking at uh, uh, Paul writing a letter from the prison that uh, where he had a focus still on the church and the concerns for the church, even though he himself was under persecution and dealing with all kinds of struggles. But he has um, uh, continued to remain clear in the fact that... Um, His intent is, number one with his life, to serve God. And you know it is something that's a challenge to all of us in this room because we all have the temptation of which we often surrender, I will confess, to focus more on issues of our own personal comforts, our own desires, our own ambitions. Um, Whereas Paul was trying to Focus on the needs of the church by writing this letter. Interestingly enough, even as you notice toward the end of this chapter, as we just read the scripture, there was an encouragement to use this letter and share it with others, with other churches. Uh, simply saying that the issues that uh, were being addressed and the challenges that he is uh, trying to uh, bring to that church are ones that he saw as significant. Uh, and found in the lives of Christians within many different churches. And I think that's the truth for us as well. Uh, We need to allow this scripture to be one that jumps out at us and teaches us something today. As we look at Paul in this particular stage of his life, we're looking at a man who had many years of experience, many years of ministry. He also had been through times of um, difficulty, to say the least. Of course, we know that previously, uh, prior to his uh, becoming a follower of Christ, uh, he was one of the key sources of a lot of the church's uh, difficulty and stress. But gradually after he began to follow Christ, he put the shoe on the other foot and he found himself uh, being the recipient of a great deal of the, the struggles for his willingness to follow Christ. And, and yet, he is a very mature man, as he writes here. And he's trying to give words of uh, reflection uh, related to his own values and, and trying to challenge the church uh, to seek courage and strength, even in times of difficulty. I find it interesting because chapter 1, or the first page of his letter, if we will remind ourselves that that's what this was, was a letter to a church. But in his first page of his letter, he started off with prayer. And just as we uh, heard a few moments uh, uh, ago, the importance of prayer. And then we had prayer. There is a dependency that we all need to learn on, on God in, in, at a level that most of us seldom reach. And in chapter 1 of Colossians, uh, there's quite a bit of Scripture talking about this importance of prayer in the life of the people in, in Colossae, that they would be able to be uh, of strength and of courage. And yet also, as we move, move on toward the end of the book, he goes back and he reflects and he reviews. And he reviews some of the issues in the history and his concerns. But he emphasizes prayer so heavily here, saying, I'm coming back one more time to remind you, more important than your wisdom More important than your attitudes and ideas and thoughts and opinions and feelings is prayer, dependency on God. Now, I don't know how well you do in your prayer life, but I have good days and bad days. I have days, not that God is not listening, but that I am inadequately dependent. I I, I find myself being too independent. I function entirely on my own. And then, when that issue of dependency really gets into it, I suddenly realize that I've forgotten something very important that particular day. As we look at Paul, a mature man writing, challenging them in so many ways, and then going back to take the, the time to reflect uh, on the importance of prayer, I'm kind of reminded of a kind of a funny situation. I remember. Uh, When I first moved to Asia, and I would go and preach, especially in churches that were in Taiwan, but also in Hong Kong. When you would go in to preach, um, you'd finish your sermon and um, you thought everything was sort of finished and you'd be wrong. And what I mean by that is, you finish and then the pastor, very often, or chairman of deacons, would very graciously come up and basically review your sermon... For an additional seven or eight minutes. And go back and review the whole thing. And I can remember sitting and thinking at times, wow, he did it much better than I did. And it was much tighter, much more clear. And I'd also think, well, you know, why is he doing it? Is that because he thought they didn't understand me? Which, of course, me speaking in Mandarin, that's always a possibility. But he would, that was just, and then I began to learn that that's what they do as a habit, a custom for all of their churches and for all of their preachers. So I wasn't alone and it wasn't just because I had poor mandarin, not saying I didn't and I don't, because I still do have poor mandarin. But um, the the review of something, the reminding of something is often very valuable to us. And so Paul was taking the time to do that with these people. When I was 12 years old, just short of 12 years, one month short of 12 years old, um, my father died. He had had problems with an ulcer and at that time, to have an ulcer removed was um, a a greater issue than it is today. Today, he was taken to the hospital, and um, I went through some very challenging experiences in my own life in relating to that. I, during those days, was staying with um, one of my cousins that lived near where, where I grew up, and so I was still going on to school during the day and that kind of thing, um, and I knew my father was in the hospital, and I knew it was serious. But he was in his 40s. He was very healthy. I thought, you know, it'll be okay. And my father was very much an optimist. And so he had always had positive things to say. But about five days into his time in the hospital, uh, I had opportunity to go to the hospital to visit him. Well, when I got to the hospital, by that time, I had been there several times. And... um The hospital had rules that a person was not allowed to go in to visit a person in intensive care unless they were, I can't remember the age, was 15 or 17 or something. Anyway, at 12, I certainly was not there. But the nurses had found a way to kind of see me coming and kind of walk away just long enough for me to go through. They were trying to be nice to me and allow me to be able to talk with my father. Five days in, I walked in and I found my father lying in a a bed full of blood. And, of course, I screamed because I was so afraid. And um, I didn't know exactly why this was happening. I didn't understand. To tell you that during those days I learned a little about prayer would be an understatement. It was a child's prayer, but God hears children's prayers too. And um, normally my father was very optimistic, very positive. But on that day I realized, uh, on the sixth day when I went back to see him, or seventh day, I can't remember which day it was. But after that fifth day I went back to see him and they had resuscitated him. They told me that indeed he had actually lost, uh, lost life but they had brought him back. And when I talked to him the next time, the optimistic father that I'd always known, the positive one that had promised me he was going to come home from the hospital, was no longer there. I was talking to a different man. My father and I talked and he shared with me about how I was going to have to care for my mother. How I was going to have to be the man Of the family, 12 years old, how I was going to have to provide financial assistance in the home. He told me to be patient with my mother and loving and caring because she would need all the support she could get. My father knew that he was going to die. He sought to provide me advice, direction, and clarity, even though he knew a 12-year-old couldn't fully grasp all that he was hearing. My father was in the hospital a total of 17 days. At the end of the 17th day, he died. I was... Staying, as I say, at, another, at my, my a cousin's home. And one morning, about 8 o'clock in the morning, my first cousin came to the door. My cousin came and um, he opened the door and came in. And I looked at him and he looked at me and we never said anything. I just put on my clothes and followed him out the door. It was a Sunday. We walked back to my home. There were cars parked all around the house and that kind of confirmed for me what I thought I already understood. No one ever told me that my father died. Didn't have to. Paul desired to help the church, the people of God, to do better. He wrote a letter and wrapped it all up in chapter 4 for their good. He was an older man. He knew his days were coming to an end as far as his ministry time was concerned. He spoke with, uh, of many of the dedicated brothers and sisters in Christ, and reminded the church of the contributions that they had had. And as you heard the many names that were written, the various roles they'd had in the church and connected to that church. Paul understood that life was temporary and that there is a dead day that's coming for all. Chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, praying to God. Chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Praying to God. Prayer was the beginning of the letter and the end. Dependence on God was what was being taught by Paul. A reminder to the church. No matter what circumstances you get into, God is our source. Paul wrote to the church with optimism. He encouraged the brothers and sisters to continue to pray which means they were already praying he was just saying keep at the task it's so easy to say i've already done that as i read this i can't help but think about our church's need to be spiritually attuned during the days of that we've been going through here Outsiders need to see us as a church of spiritually sensitive and hungry people. Are we hungry? Are we spiritual? Are we dependent on God? How are you doing? Paul challenged the church. That church. He said, take this letter though and give it to other churches. The challenge is to us too. The challenge is valuable. It's encouraging. It's exciting. Because we have a power in our lives that non-Christians do not have. But yet so often we don't take advantage of that power. We become independent. We conclude that we can do things on our own. Paul challenged the church to allow God to guide their lives. We all know the Scripture in First Thessalonians 5, 17. It says, Pray without ceasing. How well do you do When you hit challenges and struggles and lack of understanding and confusion and frustration, how well do you do in praying without ceasing? Do you immediately push the button that says, click, click? Ah, yes, remember, God is my source for life? Or do you wallow in the struggle? Do you live there trying to come up with great answers? In and of yourself. Christ modeled prayer for us. It was a life of continual prayer in that He walked with the Spirit of God directing His path. Christ had such intimate and consistent prayer experiences with the Father that one would assume that He didn't even require prayer anymore. And yet, the Jesus that I follow is also the one that went to Gethsemane to pray. Even He had to draw away, had to take special time for prayer. He modeled something for us. I have a very good friend that has been a witness for me for years. He is a layman. He is not an ordained pastor. He doesn't have all those magic credentials that are supposed to make him somehow different But he loves Jesus. And somehow in his naivety, he actually believes that God is listening. If you come to him and you talk and you say almost anything that's even marginally close to a problem, he's going to ask you, may I pray for you? May I pray for you? Let's pray, but let's put that in God's hands. There's something in there we all need to learn. We don't need to look so holy that we can't talk about certain things such as football or baseball or basketball or things that are just silly. But there is a time when we do need to recognize we all have struggles and we need to be an encouragement to others. We need to be placing ourselves and others in God's hands. This friend of mine, I've seen him go up to non-Christians when they were talking about something negative and say, may I pray for you? And you'd be surprised at the response of non-Christians saying, well, sure, I don't know that I believe in prayer, but it could hurt. Paul presented a model, Jesus presented a model to challenges. A life of continual prayer. Clear and focused prayer. The kind of prayer that's described. Chapter 4, verse 2 says, watching, expecting something from the prayer. 1 Peter 5, 7, and 8 challenges us to be dependent on Him as we cast our cares on Him. Things don't always happen the way we think they should. They don't fall together nicely as they often do in the stories. You know, I've watched so many television programs and and read so many books where you watch all this list of issues and problems and struggles and you're just waiting for the very end when it all falls together and everything looks great. Unfortunately, life is not always like that. Things don't always happen the way we think they should. So we conclude somehow that God is not honoring prayer. Just because God answers our prayers differently than we thought He would, doesn't mean He's not listening. I know my wife and I go through this discussion often. We get into certain conversations about certain things, and she'll ask me to do something. And, um, you know, okay, to to pick up the shoes and put them in another room, okay? And I'll look at it and I'll say, those shoes don't need to go in another room. They're perfectly happy right where they are. I can, if you ask them, I promise that's what they're going to say is, we like it here. You know, so, that, so I don't take a reaction. Well, a few minutes later, I'm going to hear the same sentence one more time. And then the comment usually is, well, you didn't hear me. And I will say... I heard you. It's just that I don't agree. Sometimes God hears our prayers and He just doesn't agree. Sometimes His response is not what we would think it should be. When my father died, I promise you, I was praying and praying hard. You could not have prayed harder than I was praying. I expected God was going to keep my father alive. He's only 48. He seemed very healthy to me. I didn't understand it. Why would God allow me to become fatherless as a 12 year old? Why would my mother have to become a widow? At that stage of her life. Was God not listening? What's wrong with God? And yet, even Jesus had to pray. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed. Peter He said to him, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. So he was warning Peter. So Peter, he wanted him to pray. He wanted to pray. Everybody wants to. He was trying to get people to be dependent. Jesus himself was praying. We do not pray with expectancy. We do not watch with expectancy that God will use his way to answer our prayers. We watch waiting for him to be just like an idol that we can manipulate. We pray and we say, not your will be done, but my will be done. Paul was trying to remind that church. Don't pray that your will will be done. Pray that God's will will be done in your life. And it may not match anything you understand. We've had a situation in our church recently that has made for some confusing relationships and attitudes and understanding of what the church should be doing and who we are. We're aware that there's even been a court case that has gone on this week. It's not been pleasant. Pleasant. No one wanted to go to court, or most of us, at least in this room, did not. The results of that is that they met all week long, finished one portion of the trial, but they're still going to have to meet again, add a few more days. Whether it'll be in December or February, I don't know. But it's extended. It's become clumsy. It's become frustrating. It is such a temptation to say, enough, enough, enough. I'm going somewhere where I don't have to mess with this. Nowhere in Scripture does it say following Jesus is easy. Paul wrote to the church at Colossians to say, hang in there. Remain focused. Pray, be dependent on me, and I'll take care of it. It may not be how you think it should be handled, but eventually, my will will be done. Brothers and sisters, sometimes we worry too much. We worry about things we have no ability to control. Prayer is wonderful because it allows us to look a little naive. Prayer challenges us to place our cares, our burdens on Him. Jesus modeled it. Showed us how to do it. Peter modeled it. Paul modeled it. Chapter 4, verse 3. Paul asked for clear prayer on behalf of themselves. This was a way of saying that the church needed to ask God to give protection to others. Being an unselfish act. The attitude of thanksgiving that we heard about a few moments ago in our prayer. Our attitude does impact our prayer. We should pray with expectancy, but also with thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving for our lives and the way the Father wants to bless them is important. Paul sought to encourage the church to be optimistic. The church does not need to become pessimistic. But it's so easy to find pressures and struggles that give us a feeling of helplessness and then we find ourselves saying, I surrender, I'm going somewhere else. What we need to be doing is saying, the challenge is here. What can we do to find an answer to be more effective for the kingdom of God? Paul says, hang in there, but focus clearly. Does your faith depend on the way that God makes His decision? What does your faith depend on? Is your faith dependent on the decisions He makes? If He doesn't answer in the way you understand... If my faith was there, I promise you, as much prayer as I gave to the Father during the time that my father, my human father, was in the hospital for 17 days, I would not be a Christian today. Because He did not respond the way I thought he should. I told God what he should do. Just like you would tell an an idol, manipulating it and saying, I've done this for you, you've got to do this for me. I've lived in Asia, seen all too many of those kinds of idols. But you know, we're not worshipping an idol. We're worshipping... The Creator God of this universe. And He acts and works and walks and functions as He chooses. We need to get in line with His will. Not Him get in line with our will. Chapter 4, verses 3 to 6. Proclamation of God's activity. In the midst of all that we have to learn about prayer, Paul says, You're here for a purpose. He says to that church, you're here to proclaim my message. Paul speaks to the church as if he were speaking to us. And he challenges the church. Because Paul understood that indeed opening doors was important. The church was to understand that its responsibility was to pray for the ministry. Intercessory prayer. When we think of the role of the church, do we see it as a source of our lives and our effective ministry? Do we see the church as an aid to open doors in ministry? Do we jump at the opportunities that come our way? Are we creatively searching for opportunities for our church to be more effective in impacting our society? Or do we fear those opportunities and choose to find comforts Within our own activities that keep us busy within our own building. The church is not about just having internal little activities. Paul challenged them to say, Be the church. In our talking, what is the quality of the word that we use? Paul told the Colossian church to speak with grace, be bold, be flavorful, be salt. Being salt is risky. Salt in a wound really cuts. Really, it burns. And I'm sure that week one really enjoys putting salt in people's wounds. No, probably not. Probably not. But the point is, sometimes, us doing that which is right in the Lord's name can be a bit uh, uncomfortable for some. A little risky. When we think of opening doors, if the church is truly the people of God in ministry and service, the challenge is to understand that often the opening of doors uh, are are actually finding doors that already exist. The issue there being the doors may exist, but we've never seen them. We've never spiritually opened our eyes to see the opportunity. I remember talking with a, a friend of mine in California. And he was talking about the church that that he worked with. And he said, you know, coming to my office is always dangerous because the first thing that happens is if somebody says, I have a new idea. Like, for example, someone comes in and says, I love to uh, go skiing. His response is great. That sounds like a wonderful new ministry. And then the person usually will respond with a little bit of a nervousness. And he says, now, you're in charge of that ministry. And so they're willing to try whatever it takes to help reach into the lives of non-Christian people. All of you in here have talents and skills and gifts and interests. We need to be encouraging each other to find how those things can be used in service to our Lord. Not just service to us within the church, but service outside the church for ministry and purpose. And Paul is challenging them to remind them, proclaiming with our lives and our ministry is important. Partnering, chapter 4, verses 7 to 18. This part goes very clearly into the, the fact that Paul reviewed so many people. He went through these different names and he mentioned these different people and he discussed all of these, different, these people and how they had impacted the life of the church. When we work on God's team, it means that it's more than just a one, one person show. We need each other. And we need each other because we want to be effective for God. The church must think beyond itself and toward the good of the kingdom. Paul, in his, in his third, or in his fourth letter here, on this fourth page, it's basically reminded us that teaming or partnering is important, proclaiming the gospel is important, and that prayer is important. The challenge for us today is to ask, will we allow the letter that Paul sent to a church so many years ago to be a letter that we would receive as well? Will we do... What will we do with this letter? How will we allow it to challenge us in our prayer life? How will we allow it to remind us that we must watch expectantly to see what's going to happen because we are on page in doing what God wants us to do? What are we willing to try and attempt in the name of our Lord? Let us pray. Father God, we come before you today as brothers and sisters in one family. We have our strengths and our weaknesses. We can see that Paul wrote a letter that was to a church, but is also to us. We've walked through that letter over these weeks. And yet we can notice that Paul always seems to come back to prayer. Father, we would ask that we would be a church with a heart for talking to you. We would not be about trying to impress you with our many words. We would not be about trying to impress you with our eloquence of speech. Father, we would ask that You would work in our hearts that each one of us, no matter what age we are, would hunger to talk to You because we know that by talking to You, You can change us. You can change our life and our perspective of what's going on around us. Whether it be difficulties in the church, whether it be challenges in our family, whether it be a relationship issue with you, or even a relationship issue with other friends. We recognize if we can just learn what it is to have joy in being dependent, we can live a life different than from those that uh, try to do everything of themselves. Father, please, we beg you this day, Accept our prayer as we ask you to be Lord of our lives in all ways. In Jesus' name.